Kevin, another week and another 5,500 people with COVID in our home state of Florida. Mike, you sound pretty down, but are you forgetting that we didn't have to watch Raw this week? Oh, yeah. Best week ever. All right, so I, I'm going to be honest here with you on something, Kevin. Not only did I not watch Raw, I don't even know what happened. I didn't read the results. Wow, that that's that's big time, Mike. I uh, I went I, I, I went all in on this. Well, I did not read the results. I usually uh, normally I will check what culture of their ups and downs from Raw every Tuesday morning, and I did that, like I normally do, just kind of out of habit, and saw some of the things that were going on, and oh my God, uh, put it this way, we did not miss anything, <laughs> so that was cool, but I, I don't know, I feel like you've you've missed a couple episodes of Raw the, since we've been on doing this podcast, just for holidays and things like that. I have watched every episode of Raw for the past six years. I either have watched it before the the show or gone back and watched parts of it. I've watched some part of Raw and every for since WrestleMania 30. Yeah. Uh, just when when you kind of got me back into the world of professional wrestling after being a Laps fan for a while, and it was very weird not to have watched Raw, and it was wonderful because it has been such a slog. And and I will probably at some point complain about something just because there's something that's got, I got a little bee in my bonnet about something that happened on the show, but it just felt good not to watch that. In place of Raw on Monday night, I watched NXT from the previous week because we can't watch NXT and uh, AEW both on Wednesday night when we record this because we wouldn't record till midnight and we both have jobs. So... I watched a uh, NXT from the previous week and enjoyed it so much more. It wasn't perfect, but I enjoyed it so much more than watching an episode of Raw. It was two hours instead of three. There was less fast-forwardable contact, contact, content. It was uh, it was pretty great. Yeah, uh, I I watched it as well on uh, delay. And it, when you take out the commercials on you uh, on the network it's like an hour and 30 minutes and then there's some stuff that even like because they still have in like the promos for uh like television shows and and stuff like that that you can fast forward through like i i pretty much got through that show in like an hour and 15 an hour and 20 minutes and there was some good stuff in there there was some stuff that i was just like eh. but this this also showed to me like how behind i am in NXT, I, I felt like we we definitely have gotten a little lapsed on this show more than a little. Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. Because we've been, we've of, been focusing, on, focusing on AEW. Yeah. And there's so many new people, so many new faces and names on this show that I'm just like, I don't know who any of these who these people are. And I was I Wikipedia so many names while I was going through this, I'm like, all right, what are their backgrounds? Oh, they they did this. They did that. Uh, and But that it is kind of fun to me to see who some of these people are. While it is kind of fun to see an indie person who I know pop up on a show, it's like, oh, oh, that's awesome. I'm also super intrigued by these people who I don't know a whole lot about, and I want to be invested more in them because... 
let's face it, NXT has just always been the better show at developing who these people are and 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 making me understand why they mean something. Well, NXT presents a more stripped down classic professional wrestling show, just period from the from the look of it, the darkness of the set and the, not the, the set, the, the ring area around it, instead of being bathed in this insane red, stupid lights, it feels like an old school studio wrestling show. And I love that. It feels intimate. The focus is on the ring. And other than the nostalgia aspect of it, remember, I I grew up the the first wrestling I watched was in 1987 in in WWF. Yeah. I did not grow up watching territory wrestling. I was not, I did not grow up as a big NWA fan. My dad watched and got some I don't remember Jim Crockett Promotions. I remember WCW after yeah. Turner bought uh, Jim Crockett promotion. So I did not see NWA wrestling. I did not see studio shows in, in the classic sense. But the reason I like this, and I'm referring to that, is that the focus is on the wrestling in the ring. And NXT does a better job of that than Raw or SmackDown does, period. That was a really cool aspect. Why the fuck was Tom Phillips there? <laughs> Why do we need Tom Phillips when we've got Morrow? Why do we need Tom Phillips when we have Beth Phoenix? Why do we need Tom Phillips? I don't need Michael Cole light. I'd rather have the explosiveness and the commentary of someone who seems that they're passionate about professional wrestling tomorrow. It also seems like Tom is not actually with the other two with no, the he's way not. that he chimes in. Well, I'm not. I'm. I'm not sure when this commentary was recorded. I don't. I mean, this was probably. It said live at multiple points, but it seemed like it must have been taped because why would the commentary people not all be to be all together? I don't really care about that. This is in the middle of a pandemic, and there's there's complications. But Tom Phillips adds nothing. I don't dislike Tom Phillips, but he has become the new Michael Cole. This generation's Michael Cole. He has the same cadence, the same delivery, pushing the same points where Morrow and Beth Phoenix are a breath of fresh air. So I, I was really disappointed to have to hear Tom Phillips on this. Uh, I, I really felt like in this in this episode, because I have not watched this since early on when AEW and, and NXT were competing, uh, that... I was dropped into a world that had storylines and continuity already existing. I was dropped into a world where there was a drunk guy on the outside of the ring. I don't know who it is. <laughs> and it was a little silly, but I feel like there was something going on there that I probably want to catch up on. There were mini packages. There were short, sweet interviews with like Velveteen Dream uh, in this weird guy with a photo and people are all scared of him. I don't know who this person is. Uh, there was character development after a loss with, uh, with, with some people. So I felt like this was a, there, there was a world NXT did world building so much better than raw or SmackDown. Cause I'm hesitant to say main roster. Cause the, the way it is now, it is part of the main, uh, main roster, uh, really, or at least it should be. But the world building, I felt like there was a world that I didn't know information about, and I wanted to know it. Yeah. I didn't feel like I was being dropped into something like, oh, that looks stupid. Oh, I don't care about that. I was like, oh, who's this guy leaving photos? Who's this guy that uh, that um, the Undisputed Era is freaked out over, even though that was a bullshit comedy segment that could not exist at all in the real world, and I hated every fucking second of it. I at least was—I I wanted to know more about— this guy. I just wish they wouldn't have presented it in this way because you don't present that stupid bullshit segment, cinematic nonsense, and then have Adam Cole come out to the ring and make me respect him as a real competitor. You yeah. undercut yourself completely, and it's embarrassing that NXT would be doing that. You got to take the the bad with the good, I guess. Yeah. And what you were saying is uh, I wanting to know more. That's like what I was saying before is like I'm going on Wikipedia. I'm looking up these guys names uh, and I'm like, all right, who is this? What's their background? I want to know a little bit more like uh, what's it? Carrion uh, Cross. And like they're building this guy up as like a world beater. Like mm -hmm. and I'm like, 
this guy's name sounds familiar. I know that he was impressive in beating uh, Champa at the last uh, NXT uh, takeover. And I'm like, oh, he's Killer Cross, who was in uh, Lucha Underground and AAA. I've heard about him. I've never really seen a whole lot of his stuff. I'm like, all right, now I'm, I'm a little more psyched e- even now to see what this guy is all about. And I love the hourglass gimmick. I yeah. think it's great. It's pro- I've never seen it before. I fucking love it. Uh, I love the fact that uh, you had... You had so much packed into this two hours. I mean, there really a bunch was of matches, a bunch of matches, and a fuck ton of angles. Yeah. This is how you book a show where you go from segment to segment and you get me going. Okay, what is this about? Oh, this is this is promoting this storyline. This is promoting this storyline. This is keeping me interested in this character without seeing them wrestle. This is booked so much more competently. In just watching one two-hour episode, it kept my interest where the, my finger was not on the fast-forward button. I did fast-forward. I did not want to watch the comedy garbage segment with uh, the Undisputed Era because it was stupid. But I, it kept me interested in wanting to know more about uh, some of the things that were going on. Uh, this Santos Escobar cat, this guy's got a presence to him. Yeah. I love the presentation. He cut a solid promo that was a wrestling promo that talked about uh, his 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 introduction and I liked it. I really really liked this guy, and this is the first time I've ever seen this person, and it presented him to me. And I know they've done more with this person before, but. If you want to look at the difference between the way they promoted people like Aleister Black or um, Umberto Carrillo or the Job Squad in Raw, the the modern Job Squad with Zelina Vega, this is the way you promote a new talent, and they did it really effectively. And mm-hmm. the the whole the whole bit about him shutting the mask—I mean, it was just different. I I've watched professional wrestling for a long time, and I haven't seen this, and I loved every second of it. Yeah, uh, he he was he was very good, and like it's it's kind of interesting to see how WWE has taken a couple uh, relatively popular masked guys, told them take off the mask, and show that like they can command themselves quite well without the mask. I I'm also referring to Andrade before main roster uh, Andrade because. Uh, while his initial introduction was not all that great, uh, what he became once Selena Vega was matched up with him was excellent stuff down in NXT. Like they, they have a great eye for talent. There's no doubt about that. And they have positioned some people to really reach in and find something inside of them that is better possibly than what they were doing on the indies on the 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 international circuit it's just it's it's hard to watch when you can see like all right how much further can you go with this before the main roster call up comes and they fuck you all up well, the hope is that you never have a, a the. There's no difference between the main roster and NXT because this yeah. is a is a competent and well produced professional wrestling show. Even you though know, there are still developmental deals. Oh yeah, and, no, th- and such. Without a doubt, without a doubt, I, I, this is a better show than anything I've seen on Raw for years. Honestly, this was a, a, a with its flaws, and there were flaws. The the stink. Of the of the quote unquote main roster on Bailey and Sasha Bank was was wafting in the air. I enjoyed very little of the main main event with them uh, because I just don't care about them as characters anymore, which is a fucking shame. Because I these are two people that we said had the match of the year a couple years ago and the angle of the year and were so good and and, and could have been such a, such a big deal and they've been so poorly utilized for years now. Anything we're talking about now is going to be way out of date because by the time this episode comes out, a new episode of NXT would have dropped. But I do want to mention, when I first saw Damian Priest, 
I hated everything about his gimmick. I hated the Im- imaginary arrows he was shooting <laughs> at the fucking Titan Tron or the Tron. I hated the elaboracy. Damien Priest looked like to me the epitome of a guy who came in with a good look and said, I got to do a lot of shit when I get into the ring because The Rock did this and Stone Cold Steve Austin did this and Triple H did this and Shawn Michaels did this. So I need to have a lot of shit I do, like mimicry and stuff. And I hate that aspect that people have to do that. And he just seemed to be like, he did a lot. He did it on the stage. He did like four things I felt like in the ring with the arm movements and all this crazy shit. But the match that he had on this last episode of NXT a week ago, when you're hearing this, he was selling his back mm-hmm. from the previous pay-per-view or the, the previous Which was weeks ago. Yeah. He's selling his back still. We can't he- even get Raw and SmackDown guys to sell a thing from the night before or t- four nights before uh, anymore. Yeah, he's selling something, and he's selling it well. This looked like a fight between two people that wanted to beat the shit out of each other. It didn't look like a choreographed uh, dance or ballet. This was really good. And I came out of this match going, I want to watch more of this guy. Yeah. Oh, I, I he, he did have a good look in the first place. And... Now I want to see more because I saw something in his selling. I saw something in the match that was a professional wrestling match, not a dive festival. And I I did really, really enjoy that. And also, I, I just because of how out of touch I've been with NXT, I didn't realize he's a baby face at, at first. Because I thought he he was a heel when he first came in, mm-hmm. and then you had the the crowd chanting for him, and I'm like, oh, he's the babyface in this, and you know what? He kind of works as a babyface, and it like you can have a dark, mysterious, uh, strong dude be a babyface. They don't always have to be heels. And that, and I think that it works for him, and he just car- he carries himself very well. He's a good worker, and I am I am definitely more sold on him than I was when I I saw him around the the Survivor Series time. Yeah, and I also wanted to point out this Bronson Reed cat that uh, they were building up to fight, uh, carry and cross here this last week that we're not talking about. They let him go out and beat the shit out of somebody look like, basically look like Otis Dozovic, who is just Otis now, just a big, thick motherfucker. And he looked better in every way than Otis, in my opinion. He looked more athletic, he looked more compelling, and he looked like a fighter, like he was going to fight somebody and not going to do comedy segments and do the worm or whatever stupid shit that he does. And you did that, and I've never seen this person before. I don't know if he's won matches the last several weeks. I don't care. I was dropped into this universe, and I saw this guy go out and beat the shit out of somebody and then call out a guy who's a killer who is... Uh, someone they're shooting up the card and making a big deal, but they let this guy go out, this guy who looks like a believable wrestler, let him go out and pick up a win really quickly and look impressive so that when Cross beats him, and he will have by the time (laughs) you hear this, it will look like Cross beat somebody. Yeah. How simple is this? And by the way, that guy... Bronson Reed, I'm still as interested in him as I was before because he went out and did something and he went out and called somebody and he got smacked back down, but maybe he can stand back up and go fight somebody else. This is not brain surgery. I enjoyed this show so much more because it was better done. I, I don't know how the simplicity to put it. of it is stupid. <laughs> sometimes we get too wrapped up in the breakdown of this. Like we're like old school veterans dissecting it, which we're not. We're pro wrestling fans from way back. But when I find myself invested in these people, you're doing something right because I am trying to 
look at this with uh, different lenses. And I still find myself going, I want to know more about that guy. I want to, I want to root for this person. I want to see this person again. That's I, I believe that's what you're trying to accomplish. I would believe that that should be what you want to do as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, th- this was a, I, I think an entertaining show. There, I, I absolutely fast forwarded through that uh, undisputed era bit, even without knowing what it was. Co- I was just like, when you go to the network, they have the segments broken down. Uh, so that you can kind of pick each segment. And I'm like, that doesn't sound intriguing to me. So, invisible, yeah, invisible camera, bullshit, 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 cinematic nonsense. Didn't enjoy it. In the in the main event of that, uh, there was a woman who rode a miniature tank to a ring, a child's <laughs> play toy to a ring. Got to point that out. That's something that probably has to go. But no, I enjoyed this. The experiment of not watching Raw and watching NXT instead. So uh, far, paying off well. Paying off in spades, my friend. So much better. So many uh, shovels. Before we get into to AEW, I'm sorry, we've already gotten to NXT. I do want to mention something to you because when I was reading the results of Raw, this is, we have to at least we have to transition. We have not complained about WWE quote unquote main roster. We have to do at least once for a couple weeks before we just drop it all together. Okay, it's uh, not cold turkey. It's not cold turkey. No, we got to put little, little dibs and dabs. Uh, Big Show is Randy Orton's next challenger he's the next guy who's stepping up to fight randy orton for the honor of christian and edge i have no idea and i don't care all i know is that big show confronted or something happened and people are i've read this online oh the big show uh, it's the legend killer gimmick that randy orton is reviving he's gonna kill another legend in the big show i don't want to talk about big show now and i don't want to talk about randy orton and i don't want to talk about the legend killer but I do want to talk about Big Show as a legend, and I want to get your take on this. I was thinking about this in the fact that if you're going to put someone in the Hall of Fame, Big Show, first ballot, whatever, it's not a ballot, but he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. If if Coco Beware, uh, Big Boss Man, and the Godfather in the Hall of Fame absolutely uh, Big Show has had a better career than those people in the WWE. Yeah. Uh, no doubt. But as far as somebody that we look back on as being a legend, and this is no, not to cast aspersions on, on Paul White, but is there any WrestleMania match that you can point to the Big Show had that you, if you took it out of history, anyone would give a shit about? Is there any angle that Paul White's ever been in, that you're like, man, that was essential to the business. The legends of the business, the the real legends, not the WWE legends, but the real legends of the business, the Shawn Michaels, the the, the Steve Austins, the Rock, uh, Mick Foley, Hogan. Like, there's, can you think of one thing that the Big Show has done that if you erased it from history, we would be missing some great piece of professional wrestling? Because I cannot. What about the uh, the, the sumo s- match with Aki Bono or uh, uh, Floyd Mayweather, yeah. uh, or the aforementioned Big Boss Man? Taking is stealing his, his father's, father's casket. casket. Yeah. It, it, it is it is kind of a shame that like almost everything that I can think of for Big Show has revolved around either the hilarity of him turning uh, so often <laughs> over and over and over again. Yeah. Or. Just outlandish gimmicks like fighting a sumo wrestler fighting a boxer like like having his dad's casket taken away like being the fourth person in a a, a four-way match at wrestlemania that he had no business being a part of 
uh, for the title. W- w- that was uh, who all that, was that, in that? That was the McMahon, McMahon in every corner. That was Mick yeah, Foley, McMahon in every corner. Uh, the Rock, Triple H, and uh, Big Show. Uh, it, it's just, I. I, I think that he did more for this industry when he was in WCW than in WWE. And I want to point out in saying this, the there are a lot of people that are like chanted at Big Show years ago, please retire and all this stuff. I'm not on that train. As long as a WWE wants him there and he can make money and he's got a TV show now and great. He's a talented guy with tons of charisma who deserves all the respect in the world for everything he's done for the business. But when you want to stack him up to the other great legends, there is no comparison. And honestly, the reason why there is no comparison is not because of Big Show. The embarrassment should come every time he shows up on television, Vince McMahon who has been the only consistent person from the time he was signed to the time now in creative because it's changed over a thousand times. Vince McMahon has never known what the fuck to do with that guy. From the moment he debuted, he has had no idea how to book him. He's never booked him as an effective heel. He's never booked him as an effective babyface. We have heard announcers saying he's unbeatable in the middle of him getting beaten by people a quarter of his size for no reason it's it's an it's an embarrassment it should be a uh, a a scarlet letter it should be a mark of shame on the wwe that they never figured out how to book and use a guy with his charisma his talents his ability his athleticism you're talking about a guy at his size that could do a freaking moonsault when they signed him yeah not that he should be doing moonsaults, but the the fact that he had that kind of athleticism and they had no idea how to book him. And I just, I saw that and I saw the whole legend killer and people praising it and loving it. And I went, Big Show should be so much more revered than what he is. And the people that really love him and are excited to see him back, I... I at no point was like, oh my God, Big Show was on this show. I have to go back and watch this segment because I haven't found him interesting in six years. At all. At no point has he done anything interesting or of note that you have to, you have to uh, go back and watch. And if I look back at his career, once again, where's that defining moment? WWE robbed him of a defining moment because they've never been able to know what to do with him. Yeah, they've just followed their cookie cutter. Oh, he's a big guy. This is how we book big guys. Like they go into the they go into the book and they're like, "All right, how do we book big people?" All right, there we go. That's what we're going to do. Eventually they'll be in a comedy. They're going to be destructive and then they'll lose to the top guy and then they'll be in a comedy thing. Like yeah. the same way that they're like all right, Japanese guys, they're going to have, uh, they're going to be ninjas at some point. It's, it's paint by number uh, for them uh, with some of this stuff. And like you said, there's only one thing that is common across these decades now of this stuff going on, and that's Vince McMahon. And he just always looks at big people the same way. He always looks at foreigners air quotes the same way like gotta book them in this traditional fashion because that's the only way apparently that wrestling fans can understand a person they can only understand big people as being monsters uh and that's it but monsters that never win anything yeah and that's and that's the big shame big shows is a monster he's a giant and he's never won anything He's never held the title for long periods of time. He's never been a main event threat, really. He's n- We've never gone into a ro- Royal Rumble going, man, Big Show's probably going to win this one. Never. Why would we? Yeah. I, I'm trying to remember what WrestleMania was. I, I think it was 20, 28 was in Miami. And that was... Uh, 
Daniel Bryan losing in 18 seconds to Sheamus, a title that he won from Big Show. And I think that was the last time that Big Show held the world title. And, and that and, was a, a transitional thing there. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I, I just, I was just, I was, I was spurred on by reading that and seeing that. And it was really the only thing that, it was the only thing that caught my attention in the entire rundown of that show because of the absurdity of bringing the big show back as if it's something that we're supposed to care about. You have not booked him as someone we're supposed to care about. So other than nostalgia, other than plain, blind, dumb devotion, why would anyone give a shit? You've never made, you have never made this person important, and you certainly have not made him important in six years. So having him show up is not important. Uh, I'm ready to move on to AEW now. As am I. So this is the build-up, the go-home, I guess you could say, to Fighter Fest, a two-night free uh event going on on TNT uh for the next two Wednesdays let me ask you this because i i feel like this is how we start it all the time now what do you think of the show as a whole kevin a bunch of good stuff with a fuck ton of bad stuff I, I this is AEW is such an unbalanced show almost to the point that it seems like other different people are booking different segments and I think that's the case there needs to be a creative direction on this show because if you listen to Cody cut a promo about how he's a wrestler and loves wrestling and doesn't want comedy wrestling or play wrestling I go yeah that that's the show I want to watch. What show are you watching, Cody? Because I watch comedy wrestling and play wrestling and bullshit cinematic segments on your show all the time. It is what takes up most of what happens. And when Chris Jericho goes out and calls out Orange Cassidy and basically calls him out for all the bullshit he does and the fact that he's not really a wrestler when he goes out and does his little play kicks... And then we see little play kicks and Chris Jericho doesn't smack him in the face and take him down like he should. It is an enigma, AEW, because everyone gets to do exactly what they want and it doesn't seem like anyone has control over it. The first segment of this show, this lumberjack match, was everything wrong with AEW wrapped up in a nice little package and delivered to someone's front door. It was the first two minutes of it were great. Two big guys beating the hell out of each other in a ring with guys all around the ring. So you can't go outside and do the typical thing where they're out there for seven minutes. I was like, somehow they managed to do that. Oh, somehow. Of course they did. They immediately two minutes in. I'm like, oh, I, I really wanted to like this match. I started writing. I love this match because it was two big guys just trading blows in in a realistic environment. It looked like two guys fighting. And I loved every second of it. And then two minutes in, we get a, a couple botches. We got a, a leg sweep from Luchasaurus where he should have slept the back of his legs and he swept the front of his legs and Wardlow fell backwards. We got... A botch on a counter, it looked like kind of like a non-top rope Spanish fly. I don't know if that's a thing. If Spanish fly is only off the top rope, you can probably speak to that. No, it can be standing, too. That's what that looked like. I don't know if you, but it was totally botched and looked absolutely terrible. You don't need to be doing this thing if you're the tallest, biggest, baddest guys in the ring. You can just beat the hell out of each other. And then they did the one thing that no lumberjack match should ever be doing. They fought on the outside. If you have a lumberjack match, don't fight on the outside. That's what the lumberjacks are there to prevent. It is idiotic that you would have them fight on the outside. It is unnecessary for you to have them fight on the outside. They are in the ring. Have them fight. That's what you've built. So that was stupid. It was stupid that they didn't get swarmed by the lumberjacks. It was stupid that they weren't counted out. And then we had... 
four, count them, four instances of a bunch of morons standing like (laughs) idiots waiting to catch somebody. Four instances of that, of, once again, a bunch of morons standing like idiots waiting to catch somebody, and then they all fall down like dominoes four times. And the one time that I I can remember, I think it was when Luchasaurus did the shooting star uh, off the stage. Uh, Jungle Boy and Marco Stunt were a part of that crowd, and they popped up immediately. They fell, and they popped up immediately and were like, yeah, that's our boy. Like, why were you guys even in the crowd that got hit with it. Like you guys could have been standing to the side and, and watched him. Like it just was. Yeah. It's not professional wrestling. It is play acting nonsense. And every time you do that, you make me less interested in your product. It was, that was a garbage match that delivered nothing, no excitement. It, it was just terrible. And uh, the people are going to go, man, but Luchasaurus did that. Flip off the... Who cares? Everyone does a flip. Then all everyone, you care about is spots. Everyone does a flip. Nothing special. Nothing's important. Everyone does a flip onto a bunch of guys waiting to catch them, and none of them... Two of them take the brunt of it, and everyone falls down anyway. Why is that impressive to people? I don't get it. So I did not get this. I did not like this. No. Um, but then you have the Sheeta and Red Velvet match which was a competent, quick swash where the angle was more important than the match. Mm. And you had the angle to start before she'd have gotten the ring. You had the angle to finish after she beat the hell out of this person we don't know because she's a champion and she fuck well should. And then she goes out and brawls in the crowd. And they didn't really get a chance to get their hands on each other like we want to. And they start selling this match for Fighter Fest. That was a pro wrestling angle. It worked perfectly. I have not been all that interested in Sheeta or Penelope Ford. And after that angle, I was like, I'd like to see these two fight. Yeah. So you go from a garbage match that means nothing to a simple, straightforward, what, five minutes that sold better than anything, you know, most of what you have on the show. Baffling. Yeah. Uh, I, I I really liked the simplicity and straight to the point nature of this segment as well. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the TNA Championship press conference. I think you should talk about this first. Okay. So I think that it is funny that the two questions that they fielded were both from the same publication, but they uh worded them differently they're like the first question comes from pro wrestling illustrated this next question comes from pwi which stands for pro wrestling illustrated uh whether or not they actually were uh i don't know but cody's little promo during this was just like it's what i've become accustomed to hearing him do and i love it i just i don't i don't know like he he grabs me and has my attention uh almost every time that he's talking now i i loved him talking about how the belt is not complete and like oh yeah the internet's been talking about this whatever and just the Building up his his past opponent, Ricky Starks, and building up the potential for other opponents. Uh, he's he's selling everyone and himself at the same time. I, I I just can't get enough of that. Cody comes off as real. Yeah. The business may be fake. Cody Rhodes seems real. He's talking about the belt not being complete because people are talking about it online. It's not. So he's he mentions it. He's talking about the fact that there's garbage wrestling in his own promotion. Really, he called all that out. It, it was shocking to me because the entire stadium stampede was a 
complete comedy garbage segment of wrestling. And if I'm listening to Cody and I'm putting the filter that I want on it, I'm hearing him say, I hate this shit and I want to see pro wrestling. And we talk about, at least me, that his matches very often are way overbooked. They spend too much time on the outside, too many dives, too much stuff that doesn't as nece- necessary. Cut five minutes out of any Cody match and you've got brilliance. But he's a guy who I believe in. I believe that he's a pro wrestler. I believe that he wants to be in a pro wrestling company and hold the championship and defend it. And I believe he wants to beat the hell out of the person that he's going up against every time. Including uh, the brick wall that he's going to be facing. Yes, including the the absence of charisma that is Jake Hager. But this was not a perfect segment. It was choppy. It was imperfect. But that's good. And sometimes it wasn't overly done. It wasn't too slick. It seemed like it could have been real. Like, I, I feel like what they, they were going for, like a MMA type. Of course, uh, yeah. Press conference, which, you know, like in real life, different personas, like you can have weird things happen and things can get just kind of awkward at moments. And, and I think that that kind of fit with that, like whether intentional or not it had that realness to it that like not everything is smooth uh, when you're when you're talking in public. Uh, so, yeah, I, I felt like that was fine. I, I thought it worked. I enjoyed it. It was a nice break in the show. It was something different. So, yeah, because I believed the people that were involved in it, and I believe that they believed in themselves and what they were saying and what they were doing. So I enjoyed it. Speaking of believing in uh, the the Dark Order, uh, a thing that uh, you do not believe in, uh, but they they want you to believe in, uh, you specifically, Kevin, uh, Mr. Brody Lee and Colt Cabana taking on Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela, uh, one of your your favorite people. Love Joey uh, Janela, the best. <laughs> he gives you hope in life. Uh, this this was all storyline driven of uh, Colt and the Dark Order. They got the win. Colt Cabana's happy that he got to experience a win for the first time in a while. Uh, building towards a six-man tag for the Dark Order against SCU at Fighter Fest. Uh, how do you like this uh, story of Colt Cabana and the Dark Order at this point. I love the angle with Colt Cabana and the Dark Order because Colt Cabana, we've seen him lose and lose and lose and see him be seduced by this group of people. It's well done. It's been well paced. They've taken their time. It didn't happen over one week. And then all of a sudden he's part of this faction. It's a slow burn, slower burn uh, than most I like that. The big problem is Brody Lee has the charisma of a wet sponge. He cannot talk on camera. The 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 part that he did later on in in the uh, the interview segment, if you will, was terrible. I liked the Dark Order better when Brody Lee wasn't a part of it. And I did not like the Dark Order very much before Brody Lee was a part of it. So that is <laughs> damning with faint praise. Uh I, uh, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson converting Brody Lee would be better right now. Or, I'm sorry, converting Cole Cabana would be better right now than Brody Lee being involved in it because he's added nothing to their presentation. And I'm sorry to say it, I, I like Brody Lee as a worker, but what they're giving him to work with, he, this is not his wheelhouse and it is not good. I like the Cole Cabana stuff. The storyline is fine. The players are wrong. And the other part of this that does not work, we saw cinematic garbage with Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. I fast-forwarded through it the moment I saw a phantom camera getting them at a gas station and some cinematic fight sequence. It's garbage. I don't want to see this. This is not how I want to see pro wrestling presented, so I don't care about them. As a tag team, I don't care about Brody Lee. So I like this one of the storylines, but three of the competitors I don't give a shit about. So I didn't care about this match. Yeah. 
I get you there. Um, FTR and SCU. I I thought that this was a really good tag team match. I I loved the little bits that Jr. was throwing in there about the tag rope and and just FTR's whole like gimmick of 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 being the tag team team uh who observe the rules but it is also weird at the same time to be throwing shade at the rest of your teams in your buries the entire division it buries the entire division the entire idea of what you're trying to present i love jr i love when he throws shade on this stuff because i hate it too but at the end of the day someone's got to go to him and go listen we're never going to change. We're going to put on comic book wrestling where nothing matters. And you're either going to have to get on board and stop mentioning it or you're going to have to leave. Or AEW has to wake up and start presenting wrestling matches like wrestling matches. One of those two things have to happen because FTR saying we're going to be the baby faces because we actually want to put on wrestling. That shouldn't be part of your shtick is that your real wrestlers and the other other people are fake wrestlers. That that's not a great thing. But this was a good match. It was well wrestled. It was well paced. There was some good near falls. It, the right person went over. It, it was a better tag match than most of what I've seen in AEW. And I enjoyed that. And then afterwards, they cut a better promo than 99% of that roster. If you're not MJF, you're not Jericho and you're not Cody, you don't cut a better promo. It was believable. It was, it felt like these were people talking from their own experience. And I loved it. I, I don't care about someone stealing this guy, the, their car. I, I hate the truck coming in. It looks really cheesy, but which I, you know, the, I feel like we were, we were getting into for any old listeners of the show, a legal and wrestling bit. Uh, because we had we had Grand Theft Auto, we had yeah. I feel like con- conspiracy uh, <laughs> there. Like there, there was a number. It was of on camera going on. Yeah, it was on yes. camera. They stole the car, but the truck. But no, I mean this was a great promo. It just worked. I mean the Lucha Brothers hit the ring way too early, and it was obvious yes. they hit the ring way too early because it was uncomfortable. But yeah, listen, I I love seeing the Lucha Brothers work because they do amazing things. They do way too much of it. But they do amazing things. And in small doses, they can work really, really well. I like a lot of the pieces going on here. And I just really hope that the tag team division goes more in what FTR does and not highlight them as different because they use the tag ropes. (laughs) I mean, that should not be part of the vernacular. well, Well, they actually use the tag ropes. What? Like, if if anything, you should have had them introduce the tag ropes, like have them actually come out and put the tag rope in their corner and be like, we're going to use this because no one else does. Well, But no, because the, it doesn't matter that it, it's still the same thing unless they go to the office. I, I'm saying if it was FTR's gimmick, not like, like if there were, if, if AEW just straight up didn't have tag ropes. Oh, okay. And, and it FTR wasn't part came of the out rules. And just go, all right, we're putting a tag rope in our corner and we're using it because this is the way tag team wrestling supposed to be. It would still be a little too comedy but that's a, for me. It's a heelish thing and yeah. they're being booked as tweeners at best listen, right now. Listen, I like these guys. They 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 wrestle good matches. They they have a real personality and a real feeling of like danger and spontaneity to them. They've got a lot to offer. I, I just wish the rest of the division could catch up. And I wish that they would book it that way. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Cage? Yeah, I liked what they did. I like what they did with uh, with Taz. I liked the the promo. I thought Taz's I liked promo the, was good. Yeah. Yeah, I liked everything they did with Cage. I, I think it's a it's a good way to push Moxley and in uh, the entire angle. You know, a couple things that I really liked about the presentation. I love that the commentators mentioned COVID. I love that yeah. they explained matches that they were supposed to have and said, well, we didn't book them because this person came in contact and had to be quarantined. It puts them in the real world. 
We're yeah. dealing with a public health crisis. Stop pretending we're not WWE. I want a real feel. If we were watching a baseball game and if I was watching the Tigers and the baseball was going on right now and Miguel Cabrera wasn't in the starting lineup on a Wednesday, I would go, why is Miguel Cabrera not in the starting lineup? Well, the commentators would say Cabrera was supposed to be scheduled to play today as DH, but he ended up coming into contact with someone with COVID, so he's being quarantined. We wouldn't just pretend that Miguel Cabrera didn't exist. Yeah. I, I hate the fact the sterilized environment that WWE wants to, to put across, and AEW does not do that. I love that they did that with Moxley, and I love that Taz wrapped that into his promo. We didn't have to see these two guys together to make this be a match. So I, I think that they they do a good job of kind of making the best out of a situation and pivoting. Uh and AEW does does a does a, a fantastic job of that. Um, the other thing, and I think you're going to talk about this now, but I'm just talking about the commentary. Uh, I don't think we'll have to talk about this much, but the the private party saving of Matt Hardy. The second I saw Matt Hardy had another drone, I just fast forwarded the entire match. I was on a little bit of a delay because <laughs> I started watching a little bit late, so I just fast forwarded through it because he's already transported and changed his clothes in an ice machine. I don't give a shit about Matt Hardy at this point. And the second I saw a drone, I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be garbage. So I fast-forwarded through it all, uh, most of the, this match. But the fact that when they were making the save, Private Party, you had Jim Ross and Excalibur explaining why it took them so long to get there to make the save. And that's great. It's giving me a reason why things are happening. But the problem is, then you've got to explain when... No one makes a save on Cody. Why a baby face is not is going to be left out there just to be beaten up and brutalized with no help whatsoever. Consistency is important. So it was great for this night. It's not great for the future because they're going to do an angle where a guy sits there and beats a guy up with a chair for 14 minutes and no one says boo. Yeah. So some some good and some bad wrapped in there. Yeah, uh, I I didn't care much for this. Like when they're like, which version of Matt Hardy are we getting tonight? Like I, I I don't like that. I don't like thinking about like there's I don't know how many versions of Matt Hardy going on in this universe right now, uh, and the fact that I need to think about which one is going to be involved in a match doesn't intrigue me. If Matt Hardy didn't, did not teleport, if he did not change gimmicks when being dunked into a body of water, if Matt Hardy was a delusional babyface that was a little bit silly in the buildup for something, but was serious in the ring, I'd be on board for it. I, I can dig, I can get down on that. I can get down on some of the R Truth stuff. I, mean, I don't care about the twenty four seven championship. That's garbage. But the R Truth stuff, where he is like delusional and thinks it's a money in the bank match when it's not, I find that stuff away from the ring, away from the actual action, to be somewhat charming. If Matt Hardy wants to come out and be seventeen different uh, versions of Matt Hardy, and we don't know who he's going to be, that could work. But you've already had him teleport. You've already had him change character in the middle of a, of a match it, on camera. He, yeah, he's magic. So, no. No, it's, it's awful. It's, it's awful across the board. And I, I, no, I reject that. I will, not, I, will not, I will not give you my time and attention uh, when it comes to Matt Hardy and any of his angles. Uh, you know, appar- apparently a pa- apart from a, of a, of a beatdown at the end of it. Uh, what did you think about the... The promo package for the tag title match at Fighter Fest with Best Friends and Omega and Paige. I I liked it because it, I I I felt like it was personality, and I've been pretty outspoken on my like for Best Friends, and I liked the little bit of silliness in their side of the promo. But there was also silliness in the Omega and 
uh, page side of the promo as well by like, oh, we're we're not best friends. We're not even like good friends. We're we're just we're a tag team. We're the champions. I, uh, I didn't find that silly. I found that straightforward. And 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 talking to what we've actually seen happen on camera that that seems like development to me. Uh, yeah, this was this I, was this is the best I've ever heard Kenny Omega talk. He actually seemed somewhat believable in that. He wasn't bench pressing 14 pounds and he had no point that it was he hanging out with a guy who was putting baby oil on himself. So this was good Omega stuff and Paige going when they cut at the very end and they're like, yeah, they're actually pretty good. We're still going to beat the piss out of them. (laughs) That was Paige is he demands the camera. If you let this guy do what he does, I feel like it's he's gold. He's he's a he's a world champion. He's a main event guy. And he just comes across it with simple things. Because he, he knows how to talk. He knows how to, to phrase something, to punctuate something, whatever it is, that intangible he has it. And him and Omega's chemistry worked in this segment. The best friends chemistry worked in this segment. They didn't have to have an in-ring segment to sell the match. And I enjoyed it. I really thought this was well done and put together. Yeah, I I really liked it. And I guess uh, pivoting from talking about best friends to the final segment with Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho, you look so, uh, if you could see it, you look like you have so much to say about this. Um, I think there was stuff to like. And there was plenty of stuff to not like about this. I, when Jericho, Jericho dressed down orange, I thought that it was fantastic. It was and, real. Yeah. It was perfect. He said everything that any legitimate professional wrestling fan would say. If you're going to kick me in the shin, I'm going to punch you in the face. Because yeah. that's stupid. Yeah. Except when orange kicked him in the shin... He, he didn't, didn't punch, punch him, in, him the in the face. Yeah. It, Orn, uh, Chris Jericho buried Orange Cassidy in the same way that Cody buried comedy wrestling in his own promotion. Perfectly. Beautifully. Everything I would have wanted to say if I was in that situation. And then proceeded to suffer that fool and his stupid kicks. I, I This is one of those things where it's like, well, Chris Jericho's a baby face now because he freaking said the truth. And everything he said was believable and real. Uh, first and foremost, why is this the segment that they're, why would you, if you are booking a promotion and you've got Fighter Fest going on uh, next week and you're a professional wrestling promotion, why is your last segment a confrontation between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho? A non-match without a title implication? Without a world title implication? That's what you're going to go off on? So, first of all, I hated that. Very, very questionable. And then when you throw in the fact that Jericho basically explained why Orange Cassidy should not be taken seriously as a wrestler and then proceeded to fight him in the way he did, I, I, I just, it's, it's, it didn't work. I don't like it. Orange Cassidy is, he when he explodes and actually wrestles, yes, he's a small person. Yes, he's not really believable as beating up, you know, bigger people than he is. He looks like a cruiserweight fighting heavyweights. That's just the baseline of it. If Orange Cassidy did all this comedy stuff, all this lackadaisical, lazy stuff outside the ring, but the second he was in the ring and he was uh, up against a wall with a real legitimate fight, he exploded and did what I, I I saw him do with Pac. I'd be like, okay, I can dig this. It's it's the R Truth thing again. In between the ropes, if you're serious, I can suffer some some funny stuff on the outside, and sometimes even find it charming. But I feel like Chris Jericho expressed all my feelings, and then I had to watch it all happen again. Yeah, to to then be left laying at the end of that segment, just it, it didn't feel right. Like, I, 
unless like like if if Jericho because if Jericho is going to then be the one who goes over in this match, then they just use traditional like selling towards towards that match is like all right the the guy who who's going to win has to be the one who gets laid out before the match. And that's just lame. That's 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 it's just too paint by numbers. You didn't need to do that. Like, I don't think you need all that stuff in the crowd. I don't think I, it's no, it's it's classic stuff where hey, I'm gonna grab your head and you're gonna walk with me to a thing that we're gonna do. That's not it's not that interesting. I mean, Cassidy got busted open again. He got some yeah. you know on his ear. The guy has natural charisma. The guy absolutely has fans wanting to see him. I, I do think there is something, there is a charm seeing him l- with a lackadaisical thumbs up. I like the fact that he was went to talk and put the mic down. And if he would, if he would have went to talk, put the fucking mic down and punch Chris Jericho in his freaking mush, I would have gone okay. We got something, right? Yeah. It's just like the Street Profits. A couple weeks ago, Bianca Belair, who disappeared from television, said, you guys got to stop being a joke and start taking this stuff seriously. And I said, okay, here we go. We got one pretty good athlete who can do some amazing things and a hanger-on that does the worst hot tag in the world, but okay, I can forgive that. And But if they take this shit seriously, maybe we've got something because these guys can work. I can't remember. Was that before or after MVP told them the same thing? It was somewhere around the same time. But if you were to take this and run with it and go, okay, we've given you some bullshit and we've given you some comedy and we've given you some silly, but these guys are going to start taking this shit seriously now and they're going to be real competitors. I can dig that. Okay. If you would have taken this as a as a time to make Orange Cassidy in the ring a serious fucking guy and a little bit of a goof and aloof and just different outside of it, I I can get behind that. But once again, the stupid kicks to the shins, the second he did that and Chris Jericho didn't just punch him in the face and take him down and make him his bitch because that's what you would do. He's completely unprotected doing children stuff. And you just, you know, you, you break his glasses. Psychological warfare. No. These are two grown men in a ring. They fight each other. That's what I wanted to see. And he got a new pair of glasses by the end of the, the whole thing. Yeah. Which I, I'm going to say, I kind of dug the last shot. Like, just from a, a purely, like, I guess, photographic, cinema Aesthetic point. Uh, standpoint. Like, just him with the blood coming out of his ear. And the glasses on doing the the kind of half-assed thumbs up. I thought that was a nice shot. Uh, but it, it, you don't you don't need to be booking wrestling around a single shot like that. Uh, there there needs to be more to it. Yeah, it's a perfect example. There was some really, really good stuff on this show, and there was some stuff that I would much, much rather not see. Um, we, we, we've gone super long. Yes, we have this episode. Uh, I, we were going to do fighter fest, uh, preview and predictions. I guess let's just do it real quick. No, no talking. Let's just pick our, our winners for first night of fighter fest, uh, private party versus Santana and Ortiz. I'm going to go with private party. Me too. Jurassic express against MJF and Wardlow, MJF and Wardlow. Uh yeah, this is this is uh, not as straightforward as the other one. Uh fuck, this is actually this one is tough for me. I'll go with the same. Okay. Uh Sheeta defending the women's championship against Penelope Ford. Oh, definitely Sheeta. Me too. Cody defending the TNT championship against Hager. I'm going to go Cody. Yeah, I'm going Cody too. And then Omega Page defending against best friends uh, with the world tag team championship. Omega Page. Uh, I'm going to go with that as well. 
<laughs> well, so I'm, glad, I'm glad we did that. So it was uh, so yes. different. All right. So now that we've done that, thanks everyone for joining us. Uh, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this little uh, like pay per view of sorts. Um, I, a thing that AEW has been good with these weirdly weird is not the right th- term, but just these otherly branded TV shows. Bash at the Beach. Clash of Champions. I don't think they did Clash of Champions. Uh, they they did another one uh, that was an old WWE event. But I'm I'm all for stuff like this. Um, and uh, hopefully, uh, it's a it's an entertaining show. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Ke- it. Kevin Kevin somewhat agrees. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, these these are matches that have actually been built, and most of them have good storylines behind them. And I'm not expecting a lot of bullshit. Cody will go on five minutes longer than normal, or that he needs to, and uh, the tag matches will spend 45 minutes on the outside. But apparently, that's what we deal with now. It is. All right. Anything else you want to add? No, sir. All right. Thanks everyone for joining us. Check out our social media on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Miss Spots and uh, subscribe to the show on any of the uh, podcast services apps of your choice. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or even on our website, MissSpotsPodcast.com to listen to the show every week on Friday uh, free of charge. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Good night. Good wrestling.